Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Critically Reclaimed, the podcast where we're recording at Whitney's apartment. That's right. So the the ambience might be a little different. Yeah, his, the, the, his, the ambient background noise. His refrigerator insists on uh, on making a cameo. So it's a little vibrating back there. <laughs> uh, my name is William Bibiani. I'm a critic. Everybody calls me Bibbs. Uh, my name is Whitney Seibold. I too am a critic. The one with the noisy fridge. Yeah, that's how you know it's good. That's how you know it's doing its job. <laughs> I ain't gonna let nothing get warm. A, a quiet fridge is a little suspicious. Right. Anyway, this is critically reclaimed, where we review movies that are selected by our patrons over at Patreon.com/slash. Critically acclaimed network, we're watching older movies on various streaming services that either Whitney and or myself, for one reason or another, dang it, we just ain't seen it. I mean, nobody's seen everything, so we're just... We're taking the opportunity to explore the streaming services around us, because there are a lot of great films available, and, and, it's a great and oppor- also fill in our own education. And it's a great opportunity for everyone who follows us on Patreon to force us to watch whatever the hell you want us to watch. And uh, this time on Critically Reclaimed, we are talking about romance movies on Tubi, <laughs> and the winner was a film that uh, won an Academy Award for Best Supporting Actress, uh, was, has been remade by Adam Sandler... And, uh, yeah, not enough people talk about it, so let's just jump right into Cactus Flower. Okay, I've got a perfect setup. Why spoil it by getting married? I am no sex goddess, but uh, I haven't spent my life in a tree. Mr. Dickinson, you could do me a great service. You see, I'm desperately in need of a wife. You always stand up there like that? Well, nobody around here loves most of our customers are classical. Okay, you, you, the way you said it, you made it sound like an action thriller. It's badass! Welcome to Cactus Flower. Yeah, uh, where everything's spiky. Cactus Flower is uh, one of those wacky infidelity romances. Mm, isn't that fun? But... There's no real infidelity, which is the gag of the movie. Ha ha ha! Everything's I, sort of fine, except we're lying about how everything is fine. Like, yeah, no, yeah. nothing actually bad is happening, except we're lying about it, and that makes a bunch of bad things happen. It's kind of a weird fleck. Uh, yeah, this is um, uh, uh, based on a French play, a farce, mm-hmm. like one of those bedroom farces, and it yeah. feels very French. Yeah. Because the French invented infidelity. Yeah. So, uh... <laughs> I feel like there's a few mentions of it in the Bible, but okay. Uh, well, French people in the Bible. Oh, I apologize. Yeah. 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 It was known as Gaul back then. <laughs> the Gauls invented infidelity. <laughs> Vercingetorix was there. Oh, God. Uh, no, uh, it's based on a play. Uh, it was uh, written by I.L. Diamond, uh, Billy Wilder's uh, mm-hmm. notorious co-screenwriter and uh, famed screenwriter of his uh, own. You, 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 his might, own you might know his work from co-writing, say, The Apartment, which is one of the best screenplays ever written. Mm. And this one has... I guess some similarities. It feels similar to me. It's, it's definitely of an ilk. It's yeah. definitely it's it's an interesting story about middle aged people in love mm-hmm. and younger people just sort of 
figuring out middle-aged people. Yeah, which is... Listen, I'm middle-aged. It ain't no easy feat. Uh, <laughs> the story... Uh, the film stars Goldie Hawn uh, as a young woman who is dating Walter Matthau. And he is as a married man with three kids. Except he's not. He told her he's married with three kids so that she wouldn't push him for a commitment. Yeah, he, he just wants to have a fling, and rather than commit to Goldie Hawn and marry her, mm-hmm. uh, he just, he is pretending that he's sneaking around on a wife that he doesn't have. And by the way, this is this is the late 60s. This is a very young Goldie Hawn. This is like her third movie, technically. Yeah, they uh, say introducing, but she'd had like, she was uh, had a very blink and you'll miss it. She was an extra in the MST3K movie Side Hackers. That's right. Allegedly. <laughs> I, I don't know how true that is, but allegedly that's true. And she was actually, her first movie was uh, like some kind of weird musical thing with uh, Kurt Russell. Yeah, the one, the, one, the only... Uh, like genuine the, Family genuine Band. Genuine Family Band. Yeah, yeah, which I've never seen, but um, I guess that's the, where they the, met. The one and only genuine original Family Band is there the title go. of the movie. Yeah, I guess that's where they met. If, in case you didn't know, Goldie Hawn and Kurt Russell have been like, I don't, I don't think they're actually married. They never, they were they, never married. They've yeah. just been together for forever. Yeah, and... and Good for them. Apparently, yeah. they've made it work. Um, so yeah. this is her breakout role, and boy, is it a good one. And uh, what happens is Walter Matthau at the beginning of the movie, uh, she has been jilted by Walter Matthau on a date. She decides, and she tries to go through with it to end her own life. Uh, mm-hmm. A neighbor ends up stopping it, but not before she sent him the note in the mail. So he gets the note. He thinks that he's pushed this lie way too far. And he decides to say, listen, my wife's going to divorce me. I'm gonna, I want to get married to you. And Goldie Hawn says, that's great. I want to meet your wife. And he's like, shit. <laughs> oh, this is going to get complicated. No, uh, he, he's a dentist. Yeah. And he's the Walter... The sexiest profession there is. I, I love the, this period of like the late 60s to mid 70s when guys like Walter Matthau could be sex symbols. Yeah, it was all based on personality. Yeah, Wal- Walter Matthau is, is like a walking meatball. He, he's... <laughs> got this kind of hangdog expression but he's also very expressive and he's very uh, mm-hmm. you know, very animated he's, he's very, not, very charming he's not an unattractive man but he definitely is not, has never been a supermodel no but yeah. I'm also th- you know Jack Lemmon frequent co-star with Walter sure. Matthau also a sex symbol uh, the, the one that everyone might have their minds blown over is Elliot Gould who was the yeah. sexiest man alive Elliot Gould was legitimately considered the sexiest man alive in the 1970s mm-hmm. Elliot Gould not a bad looking man but oh, no, today he would not be considered a contender wonderful actor yeah. I, I will never impugn his talent mm. um, but compared to sort of the, the chiseled superhero looking guys we have today yeah looks a little bit different that's all yeah uh yeah. So, uh, so yeah. So now he needs to find himself a ringer, finds mm-hmm. himself someone to pretend to be his wife, and he doesn't actually know a lot of women. The only woman he knows, who he knows well enough to even ask such a thing, is his nurse at his dentist practice, who is played by holy shit, Ingrid Bergman, <laughs> who hadn't made a movie in America in quite a few years. Um, yeah, this movie came out in '69, yeah. and uh, here, here's how embarrassed. A little embarrassing faux pas I did. Um, mm-hmm. She, I didn't know she was in the movie. Ah, I just knew about Walter Matthau and Goldie Hawn. I didn't know this was also an Ingrid Bergman movie. Oh yeah. She shows up on screen. And I said, "Oh look, Isabella Rossellini." Oh, <laughs> it's like, oh no, that's, wait. That's hilarious. She's 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 did, Isabella Rossellini is Ingrid Bergman's daughter. Daughter, and, and yeah. they they look alike. Look alike, and they sound they look alike. alike. They, they, yeah, they have, they have a lot of similarities. Mm-hmm. Um, Ingrid Bergman. <sighs> First off, one of the greatest actors who ever lived. Mm. Uh, if you haven't seen, I don't know, Notorious or uh, uh, 
Anastasia or Casablanca, Gaslight, yeah, yeah. Casablanca, uh, Murder on the Orient Express, the Sydney Lumet version. Mm-hmm. She's a genius. She's an Spell- undeniable screen Spellbound, legend. Spellbound, uh, Bells of yeah. St. Mary's, which yes. we did recently. Great movie. Oh, God, I love her in Bells of St. Mary's. So she's amazing. She didn't do a lot of like straight up rom coms, and so it's really nice to see this side of her. And it turns out she's—we mm. she, knew she was funny, but she didn't get to like do a lot of broad comedies. At least so not it's in, really cool to see her in one, and she yeah. kills it in this. She's really, really great. Well, and she's introduced uh, as just a supporting character. Yeah. She could be just a celebrity stars in a few scenes. Yeah. And as the film goes on, she becomes more and more vital. And then we eventually learn that the movie's actually about her. Yeah. She's the protagonist. And like, she's not in the first like 15 minutes. And then mm-hmm. she's barely in the first 45. And then she just completely dominates the second half of the film. Cause she, Walter Matthau and in, in, in asking her to participate in this live, he asks her out for a drink after work and they've worked together for 10 years completely platonic never any sexual mm. chemistry they just know each other really 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 well it's like they're already like what you might call an old married couple except they don't actually like say i love you or anything like that they just they know each other's patterns they're just very comfortable around each other um and she thinks she's finally asking her out <laughs> which again this is a playboy he's been out and about with many a woman this entire time and so She's a little uncomfortable, but she's flattered. She goes out with him. And when he tells her what he wants her to do, she is offended and, frankly, disgusted mm. at what a what a shitty thing he's doing. And, and she and should she, be. And she's a, she's a very straight-laced character. She's yeah. actually a very serious character. Uh, yeah. we, we don't see her outside of the office, but we do get the sense that she's just all business. Yeah, she, 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 she has a sense of humor, but she usually uses it for, like, Dry cutting remarks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, So, um... She, it's at this point where she gets to kind of show that she has some principles. She's like, no, I I, I abhor lying. Mm-hmm. But she has a little bit of a change of heart because she knows that Goldie Hawn works at a record shop. Yeah. <gasps> I want to live in that record shop. Oh my god, it looks so nice, doesn't it? There's... These like young hipsters directing you, and yeah. there's like Beatles records and Monkeys yeah. records, and, and you know those like those like libraries where you have to like climb up on a ladder to mm-hmm. like get to a book, and then Rachel Weiss like knocks down a bookshelf and it knocks mm-hmm. over like fifty other bookshelves. It's like that, but with records. Like <laughs> it's so cool, it's so hip. Mm-hmm. Quincy Jones did the soundtrack to this. There's like a hip kind of like uh, like pop music like instrumental cover of uh, "To Sir with Love." Oh, it's it's not to serve with love. It's Danger and Believer. No, they have that too. Oh, okay. But there's also one where I was like, wait a minute, is this the song from To Serve with Love? And it is. Oh, I feel okay. like I what is it? What is, is that called? Something else? The really? song from To Serve with Love? Uh, I'm not sure. No, okay, hang on. I don't know that one. All right. You don't know that song? You yeah. know that song? Well, I, I know Daydream Believer plenty, but oh, I know they definitely play Daydream Believer. I'm 100. Yeah. You're you're right about that, and I'm not arguing. Uh, hold on, To Serve with. Love song. God bless you, Internet. Uh, <laughs> it, it knows what we don't. Uh, no, it's, I, was, I got the opening wrong. It's those schoolgirl days. Oh. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah. If mm. you wanted the moon, I would try to make a start. But I, you know that song? Nope. Okay, great song. Okay. Uh, anyway, it's from To Serve With Love. It's by Lulu. Uh, and, oh, I know uh, Lulu. Yeah, and so it hadn't come out that long before this movie came out. So it was still pretty, mm. pretty much on the radio. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so she's uh, she's walking by this record store. She happens to be walking by the record store with her nephews, and uh, she sees Goldie Hawn in there. Oh, well, she doesn't see Goldie Hawn. She knows it's the record store. So yeah, she walks so, in and, and she sees a young woman who she assumes is probably the person Walter mm-hmm. Matthau sleeping with because it's the same age. 
and she starts like sort of just like oh hi and she sort of introduces herself as Mrs. I forget his name Walter Matthau mm. and then Goldie Hawn picks up on it and then Goldie Hawn meets her and she says yes I'm I'm married to him uh, we are getting divorced I'm happy to get divorced to him uh, good luck to you uh, I, this is my good deed for the day and I'm out of here and then Goldie Hawn says wait <laughs> and sets the rest of the movie in fucking motion every fucking time everything something is we're just gonna be okay mm. and everyone's gonna get away with their lives Goldie Hawn has the butt in her head and she just insists on interrogating her finding out more about her lives and at the end of the conversation she loves Ingrid Bergman and she feels really bad for her and now she doesn't want to well, and, and also uh, she she's on a walk with her nephews yeah but so Goldie uh, Hawn thinks there are kids the, the, Walter Matthau has lied about having kids this whole yeah. time so now she thinks those are the kids and oh my god now there's kids kids in this and yeah. she's going to be okay so in order to take the curse off of it they have to make the line more elaborate now uh, the Ingrid Bergman character has to have a fake boyfriend as well and yeah. they all have to go out and have a dinner together and make sure everything is copacetic because Goldie Hawn wants everything to be kind of decent and on the up and up Yeah, uh, and things continue to snowball yeah and it just gets worse and worse and worse and Ingrid Bergman has to go more and more and more outside her comfort zone until she is getting drunk and like making out with young hot poets on a dance floor <laughs> and Goldie Hawn doesn't know what to make of it anymore she thinks she might be a sex addict and like well, it's actually not a like a lot of farcical misunderstandings a lot of farcical misunderstandings what's interesting about this movie there's a lot of things interesting about this movie. Mm. Uh, the main thing, the main takeaway from this movie, and I think the Academy got it right, is Goldie Hawn is a fucking star. <laughs> like Goldie Hawn, again, this is like this is a huge role for someone who'd barely been in anything before, and she has to. She introduces the movie like it's mostly her film for like the first ten minutes. Like we don't meet Walter Matthau for a while, mm. and then she has to compete basically for screen time with Walter Matthau and Ingrid Bergman. And That's and a tall order. And she doesn't hold her own. She she fits her. <laughs> she she fucking owns the movie. Ingrid Bergman does a wonderful job. Walter Matthau does a wonderful job. It's not like they're not bringing it. Goldie Hawn has to, and it's a really difficult job because she has to be someone who is absolutely wonderful and enchanting, and you can imagine why someone would go to great lengths to keep her in their lives. Mm. But she's also got to be the kind of person who is a bit of a busybody and gets really invested in other people's lives and makes like weird demands and decisions of them. Well, and you just, can't, but without without making you dislike her, you're just like, yeah. oh god, now she loves Ingrid Bergman. Like, is this even worth it? And then she like smiles, and you're like, yeah, <laughs> she's well, she, great. She's she's you know young and kind of flighty, uh, but she's also incredibly decent. And I yes. think that's that's the good. Uh, she's trying to be a good oh person my god. this entire time. I said daydream believer. It you was did. I'm a believer. It was the other monkey song. I oh just realized God. that. God, those <laughs> that guys believed in everything, face. didn't they? Yeah, they, they sure did. Daydreams, they just believed. My God. When they saw her face. Yeah. No, I'm a daydream believer. I couldn't leave her if but, I daydream uh, believer. Walter Matthau, the, the, the cad in all of this. Yeah. Uh, who keeps on trying to push these lies and make sure everything's sort of going the way he has imagined it. Mm-hmm. Uh in a rather frustrating twist, doesn't really get a moment to reflect on what an what asshole a dick he is. He gets away. With he gets it. He gets away with it. So yeah. he has asked Ingrid Bergman to perpetuate all of these lies and mm-hmm. continue to perpetuate other lies, and eventually, 
in so doing and like going out to like clubs and drinking and like mm-hmm. being out there in the world, she realizes, wait a minute, romance is like a thing. Yeah. I can do that. And she's she an older having, woman. Yeah. She's, she never really had a lot of romance in her life. It seemed like she was basically resigned to it. Mm. And now she's having a great time being the object of people's yeah. affection. Be, people are interested in her. She's dancing in public. She's. It, it, it's not like a thing where it's like we're ruining an introvert. We're just like she seemed happy where she was. No, she just never had an opportunity to socialize. Mm. And it turns out she's really good at it. And she's having a wonderful life for a few days. Doing these horrible lies, and she feels terrible about it. Yeah, and yet, but you're right, Walter Math. It's weird. This is not. <laughs> he, he never gets his comeuppance. Mm-hmm. He he eventually the lie is revealed, but everything more or less turns out okay for everybody. There's there's movie has no morals. <laughs> it <laughs> well, really doesn't. I, I, I'm, this is coming at a time like uh, speaking of Elliot Gould, um, yeah. and this was a little while later. But there were a lot of. Uh, films of this era that played very fast and loose with sex and sexuality. Yeah. This was the late 60s. The The code wasn't really a thing anymore. Alfie had been a big hit, yeah. for example. So, there was another one about so, a cad. Yeah. yeah, all these people are just sort of like sleeping around. I know that, uh, you know, this was about the time when like key parties and suburban infidelity mm-hmm. was about to, to enter the, the lexicon. Key parties are a weird thing, by the way. If you're too young to know what a key party was, a key party was where couples... Married couples. Married couples would go to a party together, you know, the the husband and wife, and what happens is when they entered, they would put their car keys in a bowl. Mm. At the end of the night, after everyone's had drinks and carouse... The men men would all put it in the bowl. Yeah, because they all all came in one car. And the idea is this. Women, when they left, would pull a pair of keys from the bowl without looking, and whoever's car that was, that's who you had sex with that night. Yep. You'd go home with that person. That was an actual thing key party. people did. And if yeah. you ever saw Ang Lee's The Ice, the ice Storm, party, you, know ice that, storm yeah. you, you know that apparently it was no fun whatsoever. Uh, there was a, a even... A, the Ice Storm is all about that. Um, there's yeah. a bit about it in uh, Kinsey, if you saw oh, the, yeah, the, yeah. the Liam Neeson biopic of, yeah. of Kinsey. Um, this idea that... We get to talk about sex more openly now, and now we're in the suburbs. We're just going to start swinging around a little bit. Yeah. Um, so I think a lot of that mentality was part of Cactus Flower. Mm. We're going to just sort of be frank and open about sleeping around, right? And that's and I don't have a problem with that. And, and obviously, and, and I don't have a problem yeah. with him dating multiple people. It's the lies. It's the duplicity yeah, yeah. that is something that movies about deception usually. There's only like the only exception to this is like when like the lie is better than the truth, you know, like when it's like oh you, like you're you're deceiving somebody to, to like keep them comforted. That yeah, kind of like thing. like this is an extreme example, but like someone like Life is Beautiful, where he's trying to shield oh, wow, his yeah. child from the horrors of World War Two. But like that's an extreme example. But like yeah, maybe you can get away with that or something. But arguably. But yeah, here he, here here's the thing. I, we were talking about how like Goldie Hawn is kind of navigating a tightrope in terms of she's making everyone's life a lot harder, but she's so delightful and she's so principled, you can't really be mad at her for it. And if she knew everything that was going on, she wouldn't be making any of these complicated decisions that, that make life harder for everyone. Mm-hmm. Walter Matthau, on the other hand, is just a dick. And the only the only way we have to like sort of latch on to him is it's Walter Matthau and Walter Matthau was an incredibly captivating screen performer. Uh, there's a moment near the end of this mm-hmm. where uh, Walter Matthau is presented with an opportunity to come clean. Oh, yeah. And 
The, the movie, we're going to tell you about the ending. The movie ends uh, with, after everything's gone really, really bad, Ingrid Bergman goes to Goldie Hawn and says, listen, this has gone on way too long. Yeah, she, she finally tells the yeah, truth. Yeah, she said, listen, he's, he'll tell you eventually, I'm sure. He's not a bad guy. Uh, I'll just tell you everything. I'm not his wife. This whole thing was just fact, an elaborate he, ruse. He he's wanted never to keep, been married. Or... Yeah, he wanted to keep you in his life. He cares about you a lot, but he, the, the lie just became a whole thing. Uh, there you go. Best of luck to you. He'll tell you eventually, I'm sure. And then, the, literally, like the next scene, Walter Matthau comes into her and says, "Hey, I gotta come clean. Mm. Uh, my wife doesn't want to get a divorce." And she's like, so, "Oh shit." We'll have, to, we'll have to go back to seeing each other in secret, and I, I yeah. still love you. And and well, Goldie Hawn, thinking he was gonna tell the truth, is obviously like, oh, "This guy." Well, and, and she kind of like throws it back in his face. Uh, there, there's a supporting character in this we haven't talked yeah. about, Igor, the screenwriter, yeah. who is the IAL Diamond stand-in. He's basically uh, George Siegel. Is it, wait, Peter Siegel or George Siegel? George Siegel. He's basically George Siegel in uh, What's New Pussycat, that Barbara Streisand movie. George Siegel. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I haven't seen it, but oh, it's, it's the same. It's the same writer. setup. He's he's uh, a writer, and he's living next door to this sexually liberated woman, and their lives become intertwined. And it gets complicated. Uh, like it's basically that, but he had Walter Matthau. Yeah, uh, and uh, he's just sort of this. He's young. He's in his twenties, and you know he's this starving screenwriter, but he's also very like flip and laid back, and doesn't really care about a whole lot. So no, he, not he, the owl and the pussycat. I said uh, what's new pussycat? What's new, it's oh, called the owl and the pussycat. You're, we're, totally. we're, we're getting everything. It's been a tonight. long weekend. You have no idea. But Vercingetorix did invent infidelity. That was that was <laughs> that part is true. So uh, you if, can quote him on that. If, yeah, if you're giving a high school report, remember that and tell that to your teacher because they will <laughs> give you a high grade. Hey, listen, you can cite us as a reference. <laughs> <laughs> that makes it official. I would love to get an angry call oh from some God. high school teacher. Did you say that? <laughs> When Vercingetorix surrendered to Caesar, that was the moment when infidelity was invented? Well, not that moment. It was shortly before. <laughs> it's before his surrender. Yeah. It's one of his other contributions to society. That's why he had to surrender. Um, where were we? Uh, we're talking about the young screenwriter character. His name is Igor. Oh, yeah. And, uh, he's, uh, he was the one who saves Goldie Hawn at the beginning. Yeah. And uh, he kind of is... A pre- he's just sort of floating around, yeah. giving a little bit of wry commentary throughout the most of the proceedings but he doesn't have anything to do with like the he, actual plot he's just there to be a nice guy and you know Goldie Hawn will end up with him eventually so like he's just waiting in the wings for well, the end of the movie he's he's more age appropriate for her well, because he they're is. both in their 20s uh, and there's actually some some lines of dialogue to that effect mm-hmm. where uh, the Ingrid Bergman character mm-hmm. uh, near the end when she's just sort of had it and she's a little bit fed up and she's like you know I'm actually like feeling better about myself I want to go out there maybe I'll have a young boyfriend like you have a young girlfriend and Walter Matthau like his monocle pops off like, you, <laughs> you cannot have a younger boyfriend what uh, nobody is jowlier than Walter Matthau that's not entirely true <laughs> alright there's a few people jowlier than okay. four or five Sydney people Sydney Greenstreet okay Sydney Greenstreet <laughs> Eugene Paulette is jowlier. Okay, yes, Eugene Paulette. He was the <laughs> he was the guy who could do the. No one could say like I don't even know if he ever said it, but no one would ever be able to say the words "You're fired." Like, you're Gene, fired. You're fired. <laughs> the, the one I carry with me forever is "Where's my breakfast?" Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. He he says you can't date younger men. Uh huh. And because you're an older woman, and, you're, you're and, older he, woman. and he even just says there's a double standard. If I date younger women, it's fine. If an older woman dates younger men, it's gross. It's, He's being an asshole it, it, and a it's, hypocrite. It's kind of weird though that they would like br- like actually bring up the double standard. Like yeah. just say it. It's like no, it's okay if if men do it, but yeah. it's not okay if women do it. Yeah. And they just sort of leave it there. It's like yeah. oh, that's just 
It's kind of fucked, isn't it? The romantic lead in the movie is yeah. saying that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The fuck, dude? <laughs> but yeah, she ends up going out with him, and they make out, and for a while it looks like they slept together, although it turns out they didn't. Yeah. Um, she tells Walter Matthau they and, did, though. And she's also putting the moves on... Uh, uh, Senor Sanchez, uh, one of the yeah, there's like there's like a local the dignitary pa- yeah. or, or he's, ambassador. Well, he's, or something. he's one of the patients. He's one of the patients, yeah. but like he's got like actually like a dignified position in some sort of yeah. He's like an ambassador some kind, some from some kind of other country or something. Yeah. And yeah, and he he comes in to get his teeth clean, and he's got a bit of a crush on her. And apparently, he's got a, particularly he's got a thing for nurses, I guess. Uh, but also, it's Ingrid Berkman. Why do we even need the excuse? So, uh, so she's got him around a corner, and then there's also this guy that uh, Walter Matthau knew from college, who was constantly getting free dental work. And so, to pay for all of that, he's got to pretend to be Ingrid Berkman's boyfriend. Mm-hmm. But he's a dick, and she hates him. And that the the obvious lack of chemistry is like sends off like signals to Goldie Hawn that something mm-hmm. is wrong here. Um, here's the thing about this movie. Uh, it's witty. It's well written. I like. Oh. I, I I don't like all the characters, but I like the way they're written. Okay, which is enough. You know, mm. I, don't, I don't have to like them. I just have to appreciate their story. Um, it's not very funny. Is it just me? I didn't actually laugh out loud that much. Uh, well, it's it's more it's more about the romance. It's about the misunderstanding. Yeah. It's the farcical elements of it. There's not like I usually equate farce with yeah. humor though, and it's just I didn't um, laugh very much. Well, there's there's not a lot of. Uh, there's back, a way back, to back do this. I get comedy without being funny. I don't know. How you do there's it. a there's a way to do this with a lot more slapstick, right? Where there's like yeah. pratfalls and people bunking into stuff. I assume that's what Adam Sandler did. I didn't see the movie. He 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 remade this as just go with it with him and Nicole. Not Nicole. It's uh, him Jennifer and uh, and I think it was Brooklyn Decker was the young. That's right. Yeah. And then uh, Nicole Kidman had a small role as well, but uh, oh, yeah, 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 she showed up. Yeah. Um, uh, I assume that's a yeah. wackier version. I can only imagine. Oh, and you know, probably a lot more pee jokes, that kind of <laughs> stuff. But uh, just Adam Sandler. Yeah. About uh, you know, Nicole Kidman loves. No, the, the, it's scatological it, humor. It, it's a character piece, yeah. and and the amusement comes from watching people kind of squirm in discomfort and trying to bend over backwards to keep mm. the lie going. The the scene where uh, Ingrid Bergman and Goldie Hawn meet is actually like has a lot of comedic tension. Yeah, because they're both kind of talking cross purposes. Exactly, and and that's not really a a phrase used very often. Comedic tension, like where something Mm. silly is about to happen, and that's that's like Mm. kind of where... uh, where all the anticipation lies, yeah, where the excitement we lies. We don't talk about that enough, but just mm-hmm. knowing that, like, oh man, that thing's gonna break. Yeah, you know. Oh god. Oh yeah. god. Oh god. Thank goodness it didn't. It didn't fall. Maybe you know, one. Of, maybe one of the best ones of that ever is in uh, Wings World Two. When, uh, when oh, where they're uh, he, 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 they're walking down the street and they see a bunch of guys just working by the side of the road. It's like, hey, what are you doing here? He's pushing a, a fruit cart. One guy's yeah. like, two guys have like big pane of glass. Yeah, well, well, our job is to walk across the street carrying this giant pane of glass over and over and over again. And my job is to make sure we always have plenty of watermelons. <laughs> like, oh, okay. I wonder if this will be important later. And later on, he has to drive a car through the watermelons well, but, of the chain of glass. But that actually pays off. Well, it does. I'm saying you're waiting for it to happen, though. Yeah. Like, you're waiting. When is it going to... Oh, uh, even a better one. Um, Hot Tub Time Machine. Mm. With uh, Crispin Glover. Okay. At the beginning of... Hot Tub Time Machine is about a bunch of guys who go back in time to the 80s when they were, like, cool studs in a ski resort movie. And uh, But at the, at the front of the movie, where they're all kind of miserable middle-aged guys, uh, they run into Crispin Glover, who is a really mean guy with only one arm. 
and when they go back in time, he's a really happy guy with two arms. And, and you, uh, and every <laughs> single time they run, the... every single time they run into him, something mm. almost happens to his arm. Like, like, oh my, my arm's caught on the elevator. My arm's caught on the elevator. They're like, oh. wait for it, wait for it, wait for it. Oh, I, I know it's free. fine. <laughs> Never mind. Like, damn it. Like, if you want him to lose his arm, because they keep playing with you. Like, he's going to, like, get it caught in a meat thresher or something. And Yeah, never... Meat threshers are a thing, right? Meat thresher? <laughs> sure. Yeah, when, when you're threshing your fields of meat. <laughs> My God, well, the, the meat is growing high today. Meat's as high as an elephant's... Well, yeah. <laughs> an elephant, yeah. The meat is as high as a corn. Uh, <laughs> I would get on the meat threshers. Uh... But with uh, with Cactus Flower, the payoffs are emotional payoffs. There's, yeah. It's not a slapstick payoff. It's, it's, um, ultimately, it feels more like a drama with farcical elements. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's, it's more about its tone. It's light, yeah. and it's kind of silly. And ultimately, it's about, because of the title, it's about the flowering of the Ingrid Bergman character. And in fact, yeah. there's, they, they uh, there's a literal a, symbol. There's yeah. a, she has a cactus on her desk. Yeah. By the end of the movie, the cactus itself flowers. And they also, even comment on it. Also, apparently, the actual uh, thing she had was not a cactus. It just looks like a cactus, and those things that she had don't flower. So yeah, I'll, I'll, if, I'll, I'll let that slide. Any botanists in the audience are probably pissed, but everyone else is fine with it. Um, but yeah, so yeah, it's, it's it's an obvious metaphor, but it works fine. Yeah. Well, um, this this uh, film was directed by Gene Sachs, and uh, Gene Sachs is also the director of The Odd Couple, oh, yeah. which uh, is that one's still funny. Well, here's the thing about The Odd Couple. Yeah. Uh, it's actually really depressing. It a is. lot, a lot of these stories are actually about sad people who are on the brink of suicide. Yeah, and uh, that's true of Cactus Flower. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a big element of the apartment. Which it is same screenwriter, but um, uh-huh. but the odd couple, uh, Felix, the um, the Jack Lemon character, yeah. is completely miserable. He yeah, his, a, his wife has kicked him out of the house. Yeah, and, he doesn't and know the, what to do with himself. The setup is, yeah, he he's been kicked out of the house. He's on the brink of divorce, and he is. Uh, D- depressed. He's in a yeah. depressed state, and no one likes him very much. He's just mm-hmm. kind of a fastidious little, little yeah. well, jerk. Kind of. That's you know? how he's controlling his world. Is yeah. he's really, he's, you know, really anal retentive. He's really uh, mm-hmm. uh, meticulous about everything. He needs to clean and be really neat. Mm-hmm. And he moves in with Oscar, who's the Walter Matthau character, yeah. who's just sort of like a regular blue collar schlub who smokes and you know is yeah. kind of a little bit sloppy. His, his apartment's a mess or whatever. But he's a nice enough guy that he'll take this guy in. But their personalities couldn't possibly be more different. Mm-hmm. Hence the odd couple. These two guys are normal never live together yeah. and the movie isn't about how oh they they'll they kind of hate each other and eventually they'll just learn to kind of be buddies and learn to live together yeah. no that, that's what grumpy old men is about yeah this the, the movie is about how much they hate each other and how living together is driving them both incredibly insane yeah to the point where it's not funny anymore after no, a while and it does come to like and this is neil simon neil simon was good at this like he, he eventually comes to meaningful conclusions and they both grow as people but yeah it's not about just resolving the conflict of their personalities uh, that being said, mm. the Linguini scene in The Odd Couple is no. one of the funniest of movie scenes. Now it's garbage. Yeah, yeah that is... that is The Odd Couple is... But here's the thing. The Odd Couple, I think, is still legitimately funny. I think The Apartment is still legitimately funny, even though it does tackle these serious issues. It knows when to keep them separate. It knows when to bring humor mm. into the seriousness and vice versa. Cactus Flower somehow manages... 
to have all of the elements of a farce without ever coming across as overtly whimsical. The characters are very likable. The dialogue is very spry. The situations are increasingly ridiculous. Mm. But in, when all is said and done, what I am invested in isn't the humor. It isn't even necessarily the romance. It's Ingrid Bergman's sort of finding herself in like the second half of her life. Yeah. And I like that a lot. I just, I, part of me just can't get over just how like, I should be finding this funnier. I, there's this part mm-hmm. of my brain that just, I should be laughing more. And okay. I'm just kind of not. And there's nothing wrong with that. I don't even think it's trying to. It's just the structure of it is so overtly farcical. Like the, the Marx Brothers could have been in something like this pretty easily. Yeah, and it just, the, it, it just never goes there. I think it's a little bit more uh, sophisticated than something the Marx Brothers would do because right. the Marx Brothers kind of strip their stories down so they can well, put yeah. in more gags. Yeah. This one is actually like very elaborate and re- mm-hmm. you know uh, depends on sort of mounting uh, situations. Yeah, maybe where, that's where maybe that was get, a bad get, yeah more more and more complicated. Maybe it's more of a chapel what, thing. Maybe. What it come well what it comes from is the characters. The characters mm-hmm. are the funny. These are. Yeah. Funny people in an extreme situation. Mm-hmm. And I feel that uh, Goldie Hawn is very funny. She makes a lot of jokes. Yeah. She kind of like winks and smiles, but she's also very honest. So mm-hmm. she comes across as a real person. She does. Uh, Ingrid Bergman, as she sort of comes into her own, starts calling people out on their crap. And that's kind of funny, too. She starts making the wry jokes. There's this... Uh, the actor that she has to like pretend mm-hmm. to be her boyfriend at first is just this sort of lecherous dental patient who ha- has a crush on her and just... Mm-hmm. She wants to have nothing to do with, and the you know when his actual girlfriend enters the scene, is all this Three's Company like energy all of yeah. a sudden in the room. Um, if you think Three's Company is funny, oh god, John Ritter would have been great. Can you imagine John Ritter <laughs> like a stage play version he, of this? He did it. It was called he, Three's Company. No, I'm just saying, like, but John Ritter, the majesty of John Ritter, the yeah. magic of John Ritter. And by the way, I miss John Ritter so much. He was a comedic yeah. genius. He knew how to do this kind of thing better than anybody. He could do this kind of lying farcical relationship story mm. like he often did on Three's Company but the magic was you never hated him for it he <laughs> somehow always managed to come across sparkling it's just like mm. yeah but it's John can he really be mad Walter Matthau has a bit of an edge like and it's I've actually seen like when you ever if you grew up in the 90s like, Walter Matthau at that point in his career was a funny old guy. Like, he did two movies called Grumpy Old Men. Grumpy Old Men and Grumpy Er Old Men mm. with Jack Lemmon. They're both perfectly funny movies. They're not amazing, but they're cute. He did Out to Sea with him and Jack Lemmon again, where they were basically grumpy old men on a, on boat. a boat. They did, with, they did, I think, 12 movies together? They, they did, did a lot. Bunch, they yeah. did a lot. But, like, Walter Matthau mostly was doing sort of broad comedies towards the end of his career. He didn't go full Leslie Nielsen, but that was just Walter Matthau that I knew. Going back in time, you see him play, like, heavies. Like, you see him oh, in... Like, uh, uh, all these dark cop movies. Yeah. Stuff like Hopscotch and Charlie Varick. And- Charlie Varick is awesome. <laughs> you want to see Walter Matthau rob a bank... And, like, kill a bunch of people. And then in the climax, he actually uh, gets in a crazy chase with uh, Joe Don Baker, where Walter Matthau was in a biplane, and Joe Don Baker is in a car, and he's trying to crash into the biplane before it can quit take off. And you're like, what the fuck is this movie? It is <laughs> awesome. Please see Charlie Varick if you will completely, if you only know, like, older Walter Matthau when he was just kind of funny. Mm. See Charlie Varick, it'll make your eyes spin backward. It's so amazing. Char- but he Char- was great. Charlie Varick's pretty amazing. I, I, yeah. I'm a 
Taking of Pelham guy. But, taking uh, Pelham one two three is the, awesome. The Taking of Pelham one two three, yeah. where he plays a, uh, a an overtly racist uh, yeah. New York uh, transit authority. Yeah, just a shitty guy who He's happens like, to be like the only hope we have in uh, a shitty and, situation. And the, the joke is, you know, everybody's awful in New York, but yeah. we're gonna get band together to stop some uh, yeah. train thieves led by Robert Shaw. One of the great New York movies, mm-hmm. and I'm gonna say it. One of my very favorite movie endings of all time. Oh, it's it's the ending it's of Taking Pelham yeah. One Two Three is exquisite. It's so well done. <laughs> it, it it ends with a, a shot of Walter Matthau giving <laughs> great Walter Matthau face, and uh, yeah, it's it everything built to that moment. Yeah. Mwah. Wonderful. Um, so yeah, I'm glad I saw Cactus Flower. I didn't love it, but well, I, I uh, like it a lot. To, and, to yeah. complete a thought I started. Oh, earlier, sorry, actually, um, we, we had that moment where. Uh, he lies to Goldie Hawn. Yeah. But the part we didn't address is that the film redeems him after that. He doesn't just sort of lie and then he's discarded, which would be the appropriate ending. Yeah. Because he had a chance to prove himself and he failed. Yeah. And he ends up with nobody. But, and yeah. And, and, yeah. And, that would yeah, be and the, he ends up alone. That would be the quote unquote moral ending. Uh, moral ending, you know, that he's lear- finally learned his lesson. Yeah. Or at but least got his comeuppance. What we have seen throughout all of this, though, is that through all of his deception he's actually been doing something very positive for Ingrid Bergman yeah. who is and we learn this very slowly over the course of the movie they are actually kind of drifting slower and slower together so yeah. by the time they end up together it doesn't feel inappropriate but it also feels like he's off the hook he does feel off the hook he, it, it, I buy them together I feel like I shouldn't but mm. I buy them together well, I think it's again it's a character piece it's about these actors no, I, I know I'm just saying they, they, they get to where they need to be where like I'm thinking to themselves maybe they're related because sometimes you watch like a romance or movies like that and like two people end up together and you're like cool you're gonna break up in a month like a year tops. Like, just, I went through so much. Do you really want to break up with them what in a I would month? Love to, what I would love like, to see is it's something like uh, Trouble in Paradise, where they're yeah. actually, like, they both turn into cads, and they, like, go to bars and lie to people. It's like, oh, no, my son died outside. And it's like, they panic. Oh, no, what am I going to do? You got to go out there and save him. Oh, no, he's missing. Go chase them. And then they just go home. <laughs> we tricked that guy. <laughs> Walter Matthau and Ingrid Bergman. Yeah, we lied really good tonight. Oh, that's, that, that's their uh, that's so their, their whole thing, thing is duplicity it's what's going to keep them together yeah yeah it's being, just it's being mutual con God. people it's dark I feel like that's a different movie but okay uh, but no but no my point is Ingrid Bergen and Walter Matthau have good chemistry together and even though he's been an asshole and she is not um, I do think the relationship is that might actually turn out okay, which is no small feat. Yeah. But again, he completely gets off the hook. And he never gets anything. She Goldie Hawn ends up happy. Igor ends up happy. She ends up happy. Walter Matthau ends up happy. Everyone ends up more or less happy in this, mm. which is nice, I guess. Not sure we learned anything other than I was always in love with my nurse. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I guess. Well, it's eh. that, it's that um, you know, I, I never knew you were always right there, but there you were, always right there. Yeah. And and now and now we're together. And yeah. You were always right there, right in front of me. Kind of moment. Yeah. Well, anyway. Uh that which, is which, the, which 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 is a common thing in romance. It happens in real life too. Yeah. I know people who are completely oblivious to the people they care about right in front of them. I've mm. been that guy. Um, but anyway, that's it for Critically Reclaimed. Uh, thank you, everybody, for joining us. If you want to vote for the next episode of Critically Reclaimed, guess what? You can do so. you got to go over to our Patreon. That's patreon.com slash critically acclaimed network. And uh, the theme for next time 
is LGBTQ movies on Criterion. It is Pride Month. Pride Month. Happy Pride Month. Yep. Uh, Not that we need an excuse to talk about queer cinema, but it is Pride Month, so let's do it. And uh, Criterion has an interesting selection of films, as they often do. Their queer channel has 20 films on it, and uh, wouldn't you know it, there's at least four that... uh, together uh, one of us hasn't seen and I actually don't know a lot about these I'm gonna I'm gonna let you describe mm. to them to the best of your ability oh, well, uh, I, I haven't, I haven't well, we haven't seen, seen them but these, we're so gonna yeah. go with what we know and I'll, right. I'll do a little bit more research when I put these uh, on the patreon page so we'll have a more of an accurate uh, description of uh, mm. the text uh, first up is Paris is burning uh, that's a documentary film uh, about uh, Drag queen culture in New York in, nice. in like 1990. All right. Next up is Weekend. Uh, weekend was a recent film about a, a weekend between two men and just sort of the sex and the conversations that they had. And okay, sort so of it's like a romance. It, it's it's like a, a like one or two night stand, and mm-hmm. I think the uh, the question is like how how much in love are these two people, Got or it. is this just like a fling for them? It's a, a talk. Right. Uh, the Living End. Uh, the Living End is a Gregor Aki movie. Ooh, so I know you're be, happy. It's going to be... Oh, uh, it's going to... I'll say this. I'm fond of Gregor Aki. The Doom Generation is a big piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> the Doom Generation is him being way too immature, even for me. But he, okay. he has also made some pretty good pieces of, of work. But yeah, it's about... Uh, uh, two queer guys who go on a crime spree, as nice. most of these films tend to be. Uh, and then lastly, Malanoche. Uh, actually, I don't know what this one is about. Uh, this is uh, one of Gus Van Sant's earlier movies. Okay. Uh, and yeah, an early queer, I think it's a romance of his, from the mid-80s. Okay, and we don't know anything about that other than early Gus Van Sant, so that's exciting. Right. So uh, whichever film our patrons vote for, and this poll will be up for a few days, uh, we will do on the next episode of Critically Reclaimed. In a couple of weeks. Uh, next time on this time slot, and this episode's quite late, sorry about that, it's been a rough week. Uh, then uh, We're going to have another episode of Cancel Too Soon. Mm-hmm. We're going to be talking about uh, the forgotten Star Trek uh, uh, riff, Star Hike. <laughs> which if you think it takes a long time to get to mm-hmm. Alpha Centauri in a starship, wait until you walk it. Uh, but uh, that'll come up next on Cancel Too Soon, and then after that, we will do the next episode of Critically Reclaimed. These these shows are alternating right now. Yeah. That's how our schedule is working. Uh, if you want to listen to other shows from Whitney and myself, Patreon's a great place to do it. We have a lot of exclusive shows. We have a few more episodes left of our Holy Batman series, where we've been reviewing every episode of Batman, starring Adam West and Burt Ward. We've got uh, Only the Best. We're reviewing every single film ever nominated for Best Picture. We're a little behind on that one. We will be recording an episode soon. Uh, We have all all our yesterdays. We're reviewing every single episode of Star Trek in order. We have commentary tracks. We're about to announce another night for our uh, regular trivia nights that we're holding with some of our patrons. Uh, You can sign up for that tier over at patreon.com slash critically acclaimed network. And, of course, we have a lot of podcasts right here on the free channel. Uh, These shows have... Uh, you might have noticed ads. If you want to listen to the shows without ads, that's also available on Patreon now. Uh, so thank you, everybody, for listening. Please subscribe if you haven't already. Leave us a review if you haven't already. If you want to talk about anything we discussed in this episode, we would love to hear from you. Our email address is letters at criticallyacclaimed.net. Whitney, what is our P.O. Box? Uh, you can send us an actual physical letter. Uh, send it to the Critically Acclaimed Network, P.O. Box 641565, Los Angeles, California, 90064. Yep, and we might read your email or letter on an upcoming episode of We've Got Mail, which will also be coming up soon in a few days. Um, and, of course, we're on Twitter, at Critic Acclaim. I am at William Bibiani. I'm at Whitney Seibold. And until then, 
this is a podcast we did. We we thank you for reclaiming with us. Mm, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll think of something. We never do. 